Shall we look then at Psalm 23? Um, I'm down both for the leading and speaking today, so I'm afraid you're getting a lot of my voice. Um, However, um, most of this is going to be quoting from somebody else, so you can sort of hear somebody else's voice through me. Uh, So the King James Version of Psalm 23, which uh, we read at the beginning, I guess we all kind of grew up with that. I don't know if other versions um, we used much uh, as you were growing up, but I certainly grew up with the King James Version of that psalm. Uh, And I've got to tell you that as a youngster, there were a lot of things I couldn't really understand. Uh, Why have a psalm that praises God as a shepherd and then says almost immediately, you don't want him? really odd Uh, and uh, why do I have to be made to lie down he makes me lie down why do I have to be made to lie down as a youngster I didn't really want to go to bed so being made to lie down was not sort of uh, something that uh, seemed to appeal to me and then when I read on why do I want oil on my head what was oil all about we certainly didn't cook with oil when I was little it was uh, uh, probably lard uh, and things like that but uh, certainly cooked with oil so the idea of olive oil was totally alien to me and so the only oil I could imagine was motor oil uh, why would I want oil on my head and then by the end, towards the end I'm thinking I'm not sure I'm really going to enjoy my food if we're going to be sit- sitting there surrounded by my enemies so as a youngster this psalm didn't make a lot of sense But actually, even then, I'm sure that I knew that A, it was a very popular psalm because we'd have it in school quite a lot, and B, that it was still telling me something about God. So I might not have understood the words, but what I did understand was somehow God's comfort was coming through in this psalm. So many of you are perhaps aware today that we've got different versions of the Bible, and one of which is the message Uh, And I thought it would be good to have a look at Psalm 23 in the message. And this is what it says. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You've bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. And true to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side... Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. If that were around when I was little, I'd perhaps have understood it a little better. Uh, But certainly, uh, it's quite good, isn't it, to have those sort of fresh words that still say pretty much the same thing uh, in describing how God's care really comes through. And this psalm about God's care was written by David. And David was a king who had plenty of need to focus on God when struggling against numerous enemies and some dodgy alliances to establish the kingdom of Israel. And if we look through Psalms, the ones that David wrote, you find that many of them bemoan how well the enemy is doing compared to him uh, and how David thinks it's about time that God showed his mighty arm. But when he writes this song, song, 
he gives us a song that we can all take some comfort from. The images might not be the ones that we can easily associate with today as examples of where we need God's care. But what we can do is relate to what David is expressing and how how he is expressing it and how he transcends all his cares and woes with the assurance that God cares for and protects him. So if anything, this psalm is a bit too familiar. And I've come across an author called Philip Keller, who, amongst many other things, has has experience of working as a shepherd. And one of the books he has written is called simply, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And what Keller does is warn about taking comfort from this psalm without recognizing that that comfort can only be found under God's leadership. This is what he says. It is a tragic truth that many people who really have never come under his direction or management claim that the Lord is my shepherd. They seem to hope that by merely admitting that he is their shepherd, somehow they will enjoy the benefits of his care and management without paying the price of forfeiting their own fickle and foolish ways of life. And as a shepherd, he also goes on to point out that there are certain things that it's almost impossible for sheep to do to be made to lie down. The first of that is they won't lie down if they have any kind of fear as a flock. If there's something bothering them, the last thing they will do is lie down. And sometimes in a flock, there's a bit of disquiet, just friction amongst uh, the sheep. And if there's friction amongst the sheep, again, they won't lie down. They're always on the watch. They also won't, won't lie down if they're tormented by flies or parasites. And of course, they won't lie down if they're hungry and they're busy eating or looking for something to eat. So making sheep lie down, in a shepherd's term, is about making sure that all their needs are attended to and catered for. And so perhaps God making us lie down in green pastures is more uh, an expression of how he, as our God, wants us to be free from fear. Wants us to be free from the awkwardness of some of our human relationships perhaps even the awkwardness of our relationship with him. And he wants us not to be tormented by the things that ail us. And he keeps promising that he will provide our need and keep us free from hunger. The psalmist David is highlighting the contrast between want, death, evil and enemies and the contrast to that being led into righteousness, into green pastures with fresh water, being anointed with oil and being well fed. So you could say it's a contrast between the evils of, and fallen nature of this world 
and the blessings which God nonetheless bestows to anticipate his ultimate overcoming of all evil. And Keller has also written, the absolute basic belief that every child of God must cut... <coughs> Sorry. Start that one again so it makes sense. Uh, the absolute basic belief that every child of God must come to is that if he or she lives in obedience to God's word and enjoys harmony with our Father, nothing can impinge on his life except by his permission, his permission. To live in close communion with Christ is to experience daily the calm assurance of God's complete care and management of every detail in our walk with him. So no matter if trials and turmoil come, no matter if there is trouble, no matter if there is pain or poverty, each is for a supreme purpose understood best by my Father, but allowed to impact me for my ultimate benefit and for his honour. Now I think that's a trustworthy approach, but I also think it's one which requires many of us a bit of a change of perspective. If we genuinely feel that we can go through absolutely anything without God's purposes, uh, or without making allowances for ourselves and our own frailties and, and how we've behaved towards God, uh, then I think we can come back to that basic belief that we're living closely in communion with Christ, getting that daily calm assurance of God. But we do allow things to get in the way at times. Uh, and I think it's quite uh, an aspiration to be able to uh, look to God and say, actually, you know, everything is in your will. And the psalm also shows that God restores, that he leads to righteousness, goodness and mercy. And in our own lives and service, we also need to be about demonstrating and offering God's restoration, righteousness and mercy. And so I'm just going to close thoughts really with something else that Keller wrote. He wrote this about mercy. Mercy is to care and to care very deeply about one another. It is to care to the point where we are prepared to be involved with the sufferings and adversities of others. It implies that I am prepared to put myself in the other person's place. It means that I shall try to really understand why they behave as they do, even though it injures me. It is a willingness to walk a mile in the other man's moccasins before I criticize his conduct. It is the extension of goodwill, help, forgiveness, compassion and kindness to one who may not seem to deserve it. And I think as we hear those words, I think we can see a description of mercy that very much sums up the approach that Jesus took uh, and demonstrated to us here on earth. So shall we close by giving thanks, a prayer of thanks. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your mercy demonstrated on the cross but demonstrated in your life where you took those that were downcast and disenfranchised and showed them the kingdom of heaven.
Will you look to those that were haughty and self-contented in their faith, believing they had everything right, and show them that they'd missed the point, that they were not as close to God as they thought they were. We thank you, Lord, that your loving kindness and mercy is there for all time. But we thank you, too, for this psalm that helps us to see that this is under God's leadership, God's guidance, God's provision, and God's love. And so, Lord, we thank you.